What's up, everybody? Welcome back. I am officially back in action, and I have a beard. We're here to talk to you about Joker. Eh, I'm not going to try to laugh. We'll see you guys in just a second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's action movie anatomy. Oh, that is... That is exactly the level it should always be at. It hits. It hits, man. I am excited to be back. This is a big day. This is a huge day because I don't know, I don't know what to do with my hands anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's been so long. Uh, we just took the longest break we've ever taken in four years. Yeah, we did manage to get one. <laughs> you, wish, you wished you were in my chair, so you could have done the laugh. I was just going to do it all the time. You're doing the laugh like you hope that people are like, oh, Drew's just messing around, but you actually hope they go, that's a really I good laugh. I want someone to go like, wow. That was a really good laugh. Is Joaquin Phoenix here? <laughs> that's pretty good. That's uh, it's better. All those voicemails you leave me where you just do the laugh. I just have done that. Yeah. I've been doing it from, from different phone numbers, but I'm pretty, it's obvious it's me. And I've been on so many painkillers, I just kept thinking I was imagining it. Yeah, you, yeah. you were. Yeah. It was. <laughs> uh, so yes, we're here, we're back, we're in studio, we are doing an episode of Action Movie Anatomy, and this time we're talking about Todd Phillips' film, Joker. Uh, Joker is a huge movie, a crazy movie, a, an iconic movie at this point, I would yeah. almost say. It's probably the most polarizing movie to come out in the comic book genre in a long time. And we really didn't want to miss the chance to talk about it. No, I mean, you know, uh, we had to take a couple weeks off and we missed a couple movies. We, You know, I think originally we were supposed to do Zombieland 2 today and last week we were supposed to do Gemini Man. But honestly, with all those movies that have come out, you saw Gemini Man. I was able to see that, yeah. Uh, we haven't heard a lot about Zombieland 2. No, it seems um, like it, kind of, it opened, right? I believe so. I think it's out. It feels like it came and went. It was crazy how little we heard about it. Um, but this movie is going to be a movie that's talked about for a really long time oh, yeah, and, and especially a lot more this year and as we get closer to oscar season it felt like it would be wrong if we didn't because we actually were at the screener we saw this before it was released yep. and we were so ready to go and then you got hit by a train i got hit by an actual freight train <laughs> no uh yeah it's probably a good thing to let everybody know i know i was in here in the middle of that whole the whole craziness for one episode but i still didn't really know at that point what the hell was going on because obviously i thought i was good enough to come back to work already yeah and, uh, it was like the it was like the eye of the storm yeah i like we went to tape a second show that day after we saw me two three weeks ago and i like physically almost fell over in a parking garage and like couldn't stand up to find my car uh it was it was a disaster uh, yeah you so, almost laid down <laughs> in a parking structure in burbank it was which, which let's if you guys don't know and you've never been to la laying down <laughs> in a parking structure is almost the equivalent of dying something that you do when you move here early on you don't have somewhere to stay this is it, true this is <laughs> Now, Very true. So uh, anyway, long story short, I had some issues with uh, with my spine. I had a disc out of place. I had to get emergency, not emergency, but urgent surgery. Uh, uh, Roxy has made fun of me because I kept saying emergency surgery. Emergency <laughs> surgery. <laughs> she was like, emergency surgery is like you go in for surgery that day. Yeah. I. Uh, it felt emergency to me. There's a video online of a guy in on the home shopping or the qvc okay you know and he's like showing how sturdy a samurai sword is yeah and he hits it on the table and it snaps and stabs him and he falls <laughs> down he's like oh oh and then like some guy like a camera guy comes in he's like uh i'm not sure what just happened uh we're gonna need emergency surgery in the studio so whenever you say emergency surgery that's a pretty good video that's what i think it sounds amazing it's a, it's a good video uh so yes i went in got taken care of i'm 11 days recovered i you know, lingering stuff, still getting over it, but I am well enough to obviously drive beyond my feet. And as I mentioned before, 
Grow a beard. Grow a beard. I know. I'm trying to do the same thing. I do it every year around this time because I just gain weight because right. I like sure. to eat in the fall yeah, and right. in, the, in, the, in the winter. Got it. Thanks. So I feel like I trick myself into thinking the beard helps, but I think I just look a little homeless <laughs> and still chubbier. Well, so. <laughs> here's the thing about the beard deal because I've done the same thing the last couple of years. Also, I feel the same no. way. Uh, you started out, it's it's itchy and it feels patchy, and then you're like, "This is cool." People yep. do this that look cool, and then you're like, "I feel really sloppy." I need to get rid of this. You like look at Chris Evans or like Ryan Gosling yeah. or like Bradley Cooper, and you're like, "That's exactly." what i look like yeah and then like, you and then you like walking down the street and you see your reflection you're like holy shit who's this homeless guy yeah it's, right it's you and then you look and you're next to a dumpster and you're like i'll just lay down here <laughs> and i'm just gonna lay down here <laughs> in the parking lot in burbank um so long story short though it's all taken care of now i am on the mend and obviously back in back here i see some people in the chat here now correct me if i'm wrong i don't know if lucas shashek is somebody who's been in an ama chat before lucas shashek is a a friend of ours, he's my best friend in the whole world. Him and John uh, Roca. <laughs> uh, who we, we were lucky enough to meet through Alex, who's part of Action Industries, and uh, has become, you know, a big fan of Schmodown. Exciting to see his name in here, as well as a lot of other mainstays. I see Paul Denuzio. We see yeah, and I mean, Belford. in every relationship, there's one smart person and one moron. And <laughs> his wife, his beautiful, loving, kind, caring, considerate wife, intelligent, is team guy. <laughs> this moron is team team bateman yeah well so glad you're here luke he's a smart dude and by the way everyone calls him luke if you're real friends with him you call him luke yeah well he and i have a secret handshake so i'm pretty sure you guys have you ever seen the secret handshake (laughs) Uh, has he ever seen it (laughs) let's do the show let's do we're here to talk about we've gotten distracted um so anyway guys we are we are back here to talk joker it's a movie that we were both very excited about when it was coming out joker was uh we saw it the tuesday we saw it the Tuesday of the week. I had to go into the ER to get to figure out that I actually needed the surgery. And yep. It was the last. Of, it was the last of the screenings that I hobbled into with a golf club, uh, and uh, I just couldn't miss it. I was going to be so. I was going to be so disappointed if I didn't get to see this movie until like weeks after it was out. And I did not. I just did not want to be seen with you yeah. with that golf club. But I had to assist <laughs> you. I had to help you in. Helped you sit down. I went to several several screenings with the golf club. You went to a lot of places with the golf club. At it least, was a pretty iconic. At moment. least nine. i counted uh but yeah so we saw this and and it was one of those weird things where when we got done what did you sneak out right away or you went out because your back was hurting you went up and you used the restroom and then i looked for you i think is that this one yeah we were gonna we were gonna do uh like first thoughts review right which by the way guys if you like our little first thoughts reviews that we do uh, we have a YouTube channel, Action Industry. It's the whole brand and I own. And, and uh, we do these these quick reviews. There are first thoughts reviews up already for Terminator, which are amazing, by the way. And uh, we are going to see that tonight. So really? we're going to be posting our first thoughts tonight as soon as we get out of the screen, about 9.30 Pacific Standard Time on the Action Industry's YouTube. So check that out tonight. Get excited. But we were going to do our first thoughts on Joker, and we didn't get to. Yeah. We left separately. So I did mine really quickly that night. You did yours the next morning. It's crazy how doing something 24 hours later. I know. It literally got half as many views as it's yours. bizarre. It is really is crazy. Um, I'm so glad that you got yours done. And now that we've had so much time to marinate on it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we got a lot of things to talk about on the show, so let's get let's get into it. Let's do the first thing that we always do, and that's some Patreon shoutouts. We got to thank you guys so much for supporting us, helping us pay for Ben's back surgery. Patreon.com slash team action is where you can support us. There are a ton of movie trivia, schmodown, behind the scenes reviews from Ben's singles run. And then when the team's tournament starts, I mean, we'll at least have two, right? Mm-hmm. As long as you and I can hopefully win that first we match both each. Qualified for the first round. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, check that out. Patreon.com slash team action the reason i'm talking about is because we have two patrons we got a shout out today that's andy merriweather and of course 
Albert we're at Harma who has been I know I just tried to roll through it that was uh, really impressive <laughs> Albert's been he's awesome he's, he does a ton of movie reviews he does a ton of Schmodown reviews and he's honestly just like a really positive like light in he's the creative also, space he's also part of the uh, the movie trivia face off uh, league which yeah. is which is a lot of the, the diehard Schmodown fans they compete in a lot of these fan leagues which is where Pollyama the current champion in singles came up Chance Ellison uh, you know who is one of the sort of top tier rookies this yep. year yep so, uh, is he a rookie this year or was it last year? Why does nobody talk I, about chances? I think this year? he was a rookie last year. I think he came into the league last year officially. I don't even remember. Because he was his... on corruption and, and corruption was in the tournament. Oh, yeah, he so did come he, in last year. Yeah. You're right, you're right. That's why. He was a rookie last year. So, uh, but anyway, so yes, Albert and Andy, you guys are awesome. Uh, thank you so much for your support. And as always, you know, we salute you. A uh, couple quick shout outs before we get into all like the meat and potatoes of the show today. Go check us out on social media. You can find me personally at Ben Bateman Media. You guys can find me at Andrew Guy. You can find the show at Team Action Show. Actually, go on Twitter right now to at Team Action Show. Retweet the most recent tweet and vote because I want to talk about it a little bit on the show. It's just what is the most defining characteristic or most important characteristic of the Joker? And we put makeup, the laugh, his costume, right, and physicality. Physicality. Those are the four things that are that we think are four of the most important things behind the Joker. And last thing before we get in the show is a big shout out to Ryan Nielsen up in the booth. Yeah. Big well, shout out. Ryan. Oh, thanks guys. Yeah. That means a lot. I mean, we missed you so much. We're so happy to have you back and talking Joker. And uh, 10 second, 20 second, real quick. What'd you think of Joker? Uh, I was really satisfied with it. I produced DC movie news here. I love DC movies. I think this was a big move for them. Definitely a ballsy movie. However, I do think it took a little too much from the movies it was inspired by, which are Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. Yep. And I wish it was a tiny bit more original, but Hawking Phoenix, man, performance of the year. Yeah. Right? Wow, that was great. Pretty, yeah, it was a great 20-second review. <laughs> Ryan is obviously a talented host as well. So, uh, Ryan, thank you for your thoughts there. Uh, last couple quick shout-outs, and then we're going to get into the first segments of the show today. Be sure to check out all the various places if you want to follow Action Industries and what Drew and I are doing. Go check out uh, Action Industries on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, as well as some fan pages that that Mm -hmm. have existed for a while but there's lots of interaction up there things to check out and uh we mentioned instagram you know at team action show action industries is the is the instagram there's like a question every single week if you go and answer uh we will read your question on the show so uh we have the ama question of the week we'll be doing later today that literally comes from the instagram so go check it out um all right coming up today on the show we are going to be talking about fist pump moment we're gonna be talking about thesis statement all the things we do on the show we are also going to be answering a few questions which is which of the six Al five actually technical jokers has the best Joker makeup because you can't include Mark Hamill because he's a cartoon character. Mm-hmm. And uh, secondly, which DC villain deserves his own or her own spinoff film next? Uh, does it doesn't have to be R rated necessarily, but if DC saw as much financial success with this Joker film as they have, I think that's a really interesting question for us to answer. So we're going to be talking about those today. Let's get into the first segment on the show. <clears throat> We didn't do the rules. I'm so oh, yeah, we gotta do this bad sh- at my job. No, I mean, it's been a while. I didn't know what to do with my hands for the first two minutes of the show. It looks like you still don't know. I don't. Yeah. It's you just sitting there. It is just sitting here. Is it supposed to be doing something? Is it looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, we talk about movies on the show. Those movies adhere to four basic rules. Rule number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. So this is weird because he is the hero. Yeah, I mean, he is technically the hero of the movie, and that's another thing that we're going to talk about is, is it's just about him and, and celebrating... Arthur Fleck and if we will or we won't but I do believe by the end of the movie I think he plays by his own rules yeah it definitely seems like he with pretty quickly he starts to establish that he wants to be doing his own thing and uh, I think that definitely constitutes his own rules remember the hero and the villain are always the smartest people beings things dinosaurs what have you in the room I mean kind of like he's smart enough to 
get by, I guess, and and, and like get on the show. Exactly. And... I think I think the that he is able to keep it together enough and is smart enough to go on that show to use the idea that he's getting made fun of and then taking advantage of it, and then obviously right. how the movie ends. Yeah, three of the movies driven by police, military, political, or mercenary figure. That's not true. Yep, no, nope, that's a miss. I, and getting back to rule two again, I mean, who is the villain? That's the like that's the question. Like who is, is is the villain a thing? Is the villain Is it society? Is it mental illness? Is it the Joker? Yeah. Is it Is it Thomas Wayne? The degradation of people's like goodwill towards others in the world that turns him into what he is? Like right. I don't really know. And and rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. There are, like, burning, exploding shit yeah, at the end. the riot, but, yep. like, I don't actually know if you see, like, a specific like a bomb grenade go or off, something. But I'm pretty sure there's there's definitely the explosion there in, in the end with the riots. Yeah, so definitely kind of a weird movie in terms of, like, the, usually the rules we play by on the show, but I think that's that, that will invite some pretty good conversation here. So let's get into thesis statement, which is the first thing we do on the show. Usually, apologies to anybody who's tuned in for a pure review that we had so much lead up to that obviously uh, being out for a while we have to you know plug a lot of stuff and yeah. catch yeah, up yeah, yeah. and shoot the shit uh, thesis statement is your biggest boldest thought about this film so when the movie comes up and someone says do you see Joker yet this is what you say this is the thing when the movie comes up in five years and you're at a party and you're like well see here's the thing five years later talking about this movie this is why that movie mattered and it's the best the only the first the last the greatest we don't really like to say you know this is my favorite of the Joker makeups yeah. or something it should usually be a little bit more hyperbolic you want it to be really drastic and i'm gonna jump in first with mine because i thought this when i walked out of the theater and now that i've sat on it for like three weeks i still feel this this is the best movie of 2019 now there are a few caveats here there's a few of the really big movies that are coming out in the last quarter of the year that some critics have seen and i haven't yet uh, I've obviously been injured, so there's a few things recently that came out. Jojo Rabbit, some of our friends have seen screenings of. I've heard that's one of the best of the year. And there's a few others, obviously, that people have gotten to watch that I've heard incredible things about. I know a lot of people have seen uh, Ford Ferrari already. Yeah, That's supposed to be really good. But as far as the films I've seen so far, and I thought pretty carefully about it, this is the best movie of the year. And the reason I feel that is because I think... And I agree with what Ryan says. I think that the source material that this movie is inspired by does create a lot of the, the tone and the vibe you get. It also, you know, it's, it's inspired by two distinct, the two probably the most famous Batman comics, not including year one, which is The Killing Joke and Dark Knight Returns. You mm-hmm. have elements of both of those comics that are shown in this film. So if you combine those two comic books with the two films he mentioned, 1976's Taxi Driver by Scorsese and 1982, I think it's 82, uh, The King of Comedy, also Scorsese, yep. you kind of get this movie. That's kind of what you end up getting. And I think it's going to endure. I think it's going to be a movie that, in five years, people are going to remember the impact of this movie and the risk that it took and the performance and the violence and sort of when it came out in a way that, like, Endgame will be remembered so differently. Like, Endgame is going to be remembered as part of this, like, decade thing that existed. This, yeah. like, but it's not going to be remembered, like, necessarily more than Infinity War. It's not going to necessarily be remembered more than the entirety of the MCU. This movie just stands alone. There's no other movie in DC. There's no other movie that has been made that attempted to do what this movie did, and it absolutely did it. Like, it crushed it. Yeah. So I think, to me, that's why this is the best movie of the year. I don't think it's going to win Best Picture. I think he'll probably win Best Actor, unless people just feel that it's too kind of offensive of a character. Yeah, I think, I, I truly do believe he should win Best Actor, and I would love to see a cinematography award, at least a nomination, because the, the way that he shoot this movie is is beautiful. I don't think that Phillips deserves a Best Director. Now, I think he did a great job directing. Yeah. I really do, but... It's just not an original story, really, and and I feel like 
he just stole there. And there's also just kind of like dumb Todd Phillip jokes. Like, why is it Zorro the gay blade? Why isn't it just Zorro? Because it's been said many times, right? That the Wayne parents are watching Zorro. I did notice that. Is that a, is that a thing? The time period? Zorro the gay blade would have been, I guess, the time period in the 80s. That yeah, it came but out? it's also they could be watching any of the Zorro movies that have come out already. It's just it's like the small Todd Phillips thing in there. I and mean, this is something that McQueenie and Andreco and I talked about. Yeah, it's something that they harped on a lot more than me. But there's just moments where you're just like, all right, Todd, I, we get it. You're doing your thing. Yeah. Um, I still think you did a good job, but I don't think you should get nominated. Uh, my thesis is a lot more about the the actual character of the movie, and and I was thinking about it on the way over here, and about movies that have scared me in the past, and about like villains that have scared me, especially superhero villains. And and then, so what my thesis is is that this is the first time I have seen a villain, a comic book villain, where I have actually been afraid of this person. I would not want to be caught in an alley with this person. Now, obviously, I wouldn't want to be caught in an alley with Bane, right? Sure. But the first thing you said was, what about Heath? Right. You know, what about Heath Ledger's Joker? I mean, he, you know, when he's like, look at me. Yeah, that's scary. Like, scary. But it's, yeah. for me, it was awesome. Yeah. Like, I knew this guy was going to do battle with Batman. He's a cartoon comic book character that has been brought to life by Heath Ledger. And yes, he's a scary person who I would not want to see in an alley, but he's also, I, I want to watch him. Yeah. I want to watch him forever. He's so cool. He's so fun. Where... When you see Arthur Fleck in Zazie Beetz's apartment, yeah. when you see him on the show and you see him start to turn, you're, you know, the moments that he has, the moment with the with the, the, the dwarf in the apartment. In the apartment. Yeah. Yep. And there's I'm watching this and I'm just like, this guy's fucking terrifying. Like he's actually a terrifying person. Whereas every other villain I've always watched, and there's been kind of like rose-colored glasses on, because I'm like, you're a comic book villain. This is kind of awesome. Whereas this was just a dude that was pushed pushed past his limits. And it's horrifying. Yeah, because I think that's such an interesting point, because what you say about Ledger, you know, we're going to have a whole conversation on this show, and then as well, this week on the Action Guys, we're going to do a definitive ranking of the six Joker portrayals that have happened in theatrically released films. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have that whole conversation on the Action Guys, all the different, that's the show we do over on Collider, so check that out later this week. Um, but, specifically talking about the fear factor, when you do meet Heath, and you see him do all that stuff early on, you're kind of like, wow, what a formidable opponent for batman right like like, oh he's so much scarier than scarecrow was and begins this is going to be crazy how's batman going to win because he's truly seemingly his equal he's pushing him to his limits he wants him to kill like there are so many things about like the semi-flipping that movie is designed to be an based in real life comic book story whereas this movie doesn't really want you to feel like you're watching a comic book movie that's what todd phillips says he wanted to make a super grounded in reality movie and that's, I think, why you get Joaquin Phoenix doing such a freaky performance because, like, I mean, he just he just nailed it. Like He did. He completely did. And, and, like, when you start to see his sanity unravel, you know, between the story with his mom, between the love with his neighbor, like, the job, everything, bit by bit by bit by bit, and you start to look at it and you're like, man, what would I do? Right. What, what would happen to me in this situation? Totally. Where would my mind go? I mean, obviously, probably not shooting a bunch of people on a train yeah. is the first, like, the moment. But, like... Glad we cleared that up. Yeah, glad that I got that out of the way. <laughs> but also, what do you do? You find out your mother's been lying to you your whole life. You were, you were basically abused so badly yeah. that you just blocked it out. You lose your job. You have no money. No one likes you. No one thinks you're funny. You're bad at, you're bad at your dream. Like, right. everything. Like, it... Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a really strong thesis. I mean, he is he is scary in a way that I think I can't remember another comic book villain really being scary. I mean, I, you'd have to go to you'd have to go to like a villain, probably in like a non superhero comic book, like like 
Jude Law and Road to Perdition is pretty scary. Right. But he's also not scary like this. He's, like, scary like he doesn't have any morals and he'll kill you. But, like, it's just different. Yeah, I mean, this because it's almost because I feel like every other time it's been it's been a caricature yeah. of, of, like, what this that thing should be. Whereas this does just feel like this is the most extreme case of what could happen to someone yeah. like this. Yeah, I don't I know. And I think it's really, really strong. So, <clears throat> so guys, the next part of the show here we're going to do is one you guys all know and love. Uh, it's been around since the very beginning of the show, the dawn of the show, I think. I think this was in the very I think first so. episode. I think, maybe. Uh, and this is Fist Pump Moment. Uh, not to be confused with Fist Bump Moment, which yes. some people think it's that. But Fist Pump Moment, which is, uh, you know, it's your, it's it's the thing that happens in the movie where you just sort of look around and you're like, this is awesome. This is so good. I get to watch the rest of this movie right now. I'm so hyped. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, this is sort of a weird movie to try <laughs> to have a, fist bumps weird in. weird one. Uh-huh. Which is kind of why I think before I got hurt, we were talking about did we or did we not want to do Joker. We yeah. considering doing Batman 89 this week instead. Uh-huh. Which is sort of bizarre. We still haven't done that movie, actually. It's probably... Probably pretty soon. Definitely needs to happen. Yeah, I love that movie. But um, but we were like, what are we going to fist pump about in this movie? And the more... Like, what do we celebrate? The more I think we've sat on it, the more you start to just realize how sort of visceral of a performance it was. It needs mm-hmm. to be talked about. Um, even if it's not fist pumping, like, it's not awesome to watch him kill innocent people. But, like, there are things about this movie that feel awesome to watch. Yeah. And I think that's worth fist pumping. And so, uh, you want to go first? Should I just I? feel like no matter what I say, it's going to be kind of messed up. Because it's like, most everything that I... All the things that I celebrate about him, they're either in moments where you're just like, I can't actually fist pump the fact that you just imagine Zazie Beetz's whole relationship and now you're sitting in this apartment yeah. with a woman and her child. <laughs> like, that's horrifying. I think it's reasonable for you to fist pump it, though, if it made you feel something. The it, point of fist pump is it makes you feel something. Right, right. And I, I, I guess if we're going, I think if we're going traditional fist pump. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that one second. If I'm going like a real fist pump for Joker, it's when you figure out his mother is a psychopath. Yeah. It's the moment with him and Thomas Wayne in the bathroom. That's mine. Is, is it still, really? Yeah. It's when he, exactly. And he punches him in the face. Cause it's, yeah. there are so many parts about that particular moment to me that like sum up what makes this movie great. It's so uncomfortable and it's, you see, it's just like, oh wow, the, it's genetic now. It's not, you know, even yeah. though you're adopted, it's like you've gotten this psych, you and your mother are both psychopaths. Yeah. He's unraveling. You realize they've, They've found a way to tie in. They found a way to tie in the Batman like mythos in this like really really interesting way. Um, it's not a Batman movie, but like they have found a way to make Thomas Wayne a character. Yep. Thomas Wayne, basically, from what I can understand, everybody's he's basically Donald Trump. That's right? what everyone's been saying, you yeah. know. And so he that that's the character. And and Phillips has been clear this is not a political movie. So like he has by saying that sort of invalidated that theory, but it still feels that way. Mm-hmm. And the way that particularly uh joaquin is talking to him in that moment some of the things he says that's where i had that like that particular moment was where i had that like look around the theater like i really <clears> hope <throat> somebody doesn't walk in here with a gun like this right. is this is the school shooter that's freaking me out moment that people have problems with this character and i think the reason it's almost like it's not a fist pump moment it's like it just makes you feel something really intense which is wow you just pulled the wool on me you've included batman somehow yeah and this character is so frightening like you did a take on this that no one's ever done. Yeah. That was a crazy moment. <clears throat> and I will say, I actually really loved what they did with Wayne's parents this time. Yeah. They, they, the end, you mean? At the end, yeah. You know, kind of showing it as collateral damage in a riot. Yeah. Not having it have to be, I mean, you know, in, in 89, it is Joker that does it. And, like, I, I don't really care about seeing it again. Yeah. Because we've seen it so many times. But the way they did it in this, I actually really liked. Yeah. I really did. I thought it was it was very kind of it was very fitting so my other fist pump though is just if we're going like traditional action movie fist pump yeah i think it's when he shoots the dudes on the train 
because you see that's the moment, right? That's the moment. It's almost the inciting incident, and I don't think it truly is. Yeah. The inciting incident, honestly, which is when he gets the gun, because you're just like, oh, here's the gateway. Yep. But when he actually shoots the dudes on the train, they're so shitty. They're so horrible to him. He's had such a horrible day already. Yeah. There's a part of you that's just like, good, fuck those guys. But then at the same time, you're like, Jesus. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're like, that's that's literally what you had to create yeah. to justify making this character a hero. That's the lens that we're looking at this movie through. And I still don't ever think he's a truly a hero. Yeah, you know? I totally agree. It's 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 a it's a really really um, sort of morally confusing story to watch, which mm-hmm. I think again is why people have problems with it. And I and I I do get the criticisms of the movie. It's not like they're lost on me. It's and and it's not yeah, totally. like I I totally. This is like a conversation I think that you and I had about it was when we were talking about Wedding Crashers and R-rated comedies, and it was like, so the first time you watch Wedding Crashers when you're in high school, you know, you're like, this is hilarious, right? These guys are great. These guys are totally making me laugh. Like, and then you get older and you watch it again and you're like they're lying about who they are to sleep with women at weddings and then ghosting the women that's horrible yeah that's not funny or cool that's and and like every woman in this movie is basically depicted as as a is an idiot yeah right. other than the two leads so you go like okay i still have the ability to laugh at some of these jokes but i also understand completely why this movie can't really get made today yeah um i watched it with my girlfriend like you know like yeah. three months ago and she was just like this is not a good movie but when you're 15 16 17 you're watching it you don't mm-hmm. know that you, you aren't smart enough yet you haven't learned enough about the world yet to even detect that i didn't think that at all when i was 15 same thing like if I'm 15 16 watching joker it's a completely different experience than being 31. Like, yeah. live life. I actually understand shit. Uh, and that's, I think, why people have issues is that you don't want to show the person who's basically getting bullied kill people and then right. sort of be celebrated in a riot. And that's why I think this movie is, is really more of like a Rorschach test. I think you look at it and what you take away from it is going to be drastically different than the person sitting next to you for yeah. the same reasons of, of everything is what you bring into the movie, right? And like Completely. your own personal demons, your own personal issues, and also your just own personal insights. So, again, I we'll probably talk maybe a little bit more in production development about like maybe the picking it apart or talking about the, the yeah. pluses and the minuses. But at the same time, it's like a lot of that is just made up for you to decide at home. I think the last uh, fist pump, if we wanted to add one more just because we have the same one. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, would be when he blows off De Niro's head. Yeah, so a couple people wrote that. Because at that point, when that happens, it's been building to the moment. And, and you can you, feel and it. And you know it's going to happen. Yeah. They did They did his character. They made De Niro's character just right. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just he's just supportive enough, just smart enough, just not an asshole enough. Yeah, but he is just an asshole quite, you know, yeah. just like, you know, by playing the clip and, yeah. That you are just like, got it. Like, you think you're handling a sane person. You aren't. <laughs> And like, and like Joker, we think you've shown us you're going to blow your own head if you're not going to. You're going to do the thing that comes from Dark Knight Returns. That's a specific panel from Dark Knight Returns. Oh, he he kills like a whole studio audience, doesn't he? I think he gas. I feel like he gasses the audience uh-huh. and he blows off the head of the of the dude. Of the, uh, Ryan, can you confirm that? Is that? Uh, I will for, check that out. Right I'm now. pretty sure that's correct. Cause I saw something recently about that. I think so. He gets out of jail, and then that's what happens. And then that, but that's a whole different story because that's the one where Bruce Wayne is like 50 in that story. And again, you have De Niro there doing the vain thing, right? He goes into Arthur Fleck's dressing room beforehand, yeah. and his producer is like, uh, yeah. I don't know about this guy. Yeah, man. right. Yeah, 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 and he's yeah, like, yeah. you can call me Joker, and that's what a few other people's fist pump was there. But it's still the same thing of like, De Niro sees that there's this person that's probably not sane. He's wearing makeup and a clown costume to come on your show and like, 
he's asking you to call him by like a, a one and then Janeiro's just like whatever it's fine it's gonna be ratings it's gonna right. you know like we're gonna take advantage of this guy one more time to get more out of it for our show Richard Eric Jarvie who is uh you know longtime senior staff of the action industries team um he has a comment here in the chat saying, when I walked out of the movie, I immediately wanted to be a better person, be kind to strangers. That was the initial effect this movie had on me. See, that's a really interesting point that you're making because that's the other side of the argument, which is that his insanity and his bloodlust is driven by the fact that he's just basically shit on by the world. That yeah. The world is really shitty to him. And that's sort of how you can justify this movie, right? That, that's, that is the literal justification of this movie existing is that like he becomes shittier as the world is shitty to him. And... You know, again, like that. This is why this movie is so polarizing. This is why weeks later we can still do a topical episode talking about it because this is what people want to hear about. People want to hear about this movie. Um, you know, like you, I think about movies that people are going to talk about that are the best movie of the year this year, and a lot of those movies are not movies that like people are going to want to talk about two weeks later. They're going to come right, and they're going to go. Um, but the chat is lit up. Yeah, today. I mean, everybody everyone wants has to an talk opinion. About Everyone's talking about it. Uh, Ryan says, apparently, in Dark Knight Returns, Joker stabs the other guest on the talk show and gasses the audience and lead host uh, to death. That's what uh, he I does. Thought he, I thought he blew his head off. I, I guess he did too. Yeah, he, uh, he smashes a coffee mug and stabs the co-host in the throat. Wow, interesting. That's okay. awesome. Kind of crazy. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a little <clears> while <throat> since I've read that one, but. Um, in any case, that is going to wrap up fist pump moment. So I suggest we get into the next part of the show, which is star profiles. Let's talk about we, we did, we're doing three this time. Yeah, uh, we want to make sure that we covered our bases. So first off, you got Joaquin Phoenix. Um, you and I have acknowledged this, and I think we'll be having a slightly more in depth conversation about this in a couple weeks. But you know, he might be the most talented actor working today. It's possible. Uh, yeah, it's tough, right? I mean, he <clears throat> when because one thing that if you guys do end up watching this movie again which i know a lot of you probably won't it's very hard to go watch again think of commodus and think of johnny cash yeah the whole time you're watching the movie yeah and and think of her yeah those three roles and then watch this movie and again obviously you look at him you're like that's joaquin phoenix yep. that's what his face looks like but everything else yep. he truly disappears he, re, he in one of maybe the the best performances i've ever seen in my life because even with Daniel Plainview. Yeah. And Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. He's awesome. Amazing. He's like the coolest, most badass oil man yeah. that's ever lived. And he's also up, just Bill the Butcher. And he's exactly. He's also Bill the Butcher, whereas this is just something we've never really seen. And, yeah. and like the physicality, how skinny he got, the dancing. He actually is an incredible dancer to yeah. be able to pull off some of the moves he does. The like, dancing stuff's really cool. He just completely vanishes. Yep. It, it's unbelievable. And, yeah. I, and, and like, the laugh. I love the laugh. I love the moment on the bus with the kid and the laugh and with the card and, like, all that. It's so... It truly does feel like he's he just is about to explode at any moment. Yeah. You so, know? so, Cody Seal. Cody, what's up? Big what's up, ups. Cody? Glad to see you in the chat. Salute. Uh, salute you. Uh, Cody says, most talented actor working today. That should have been Ben's thesis. So, uh, I believe we have to confirm the date, but there'll be an episode of the Action Guys coming out in the next month sometime that will have be discussion about who are the top five working actors today. Because... Yep. You know, it's a, it's always an interesting conversation, right? It's sort of similar to the overrated, underrated, properly rated conversation we like to have. Uh, but it's more like Joaquin's never won an Oscar. So you try to compare him to, like, you know, 
Christian Bale or something like that. Daniel you know, Lewis, Philip Seymour, like yeah, all mean, these great character actors. You know, like other people that are working today, you compare them to like, you know, DiCaprio, like guys that have the statue, guys that have been in the big movies, but they've been awarded. Like you really focus on Joaquin because he's done so much varied work in so many different genres so well for such a long time. And he still never won because he also has made the choice to be in really weird movies. I mean, that's like a thing that he wanted to do. Joaquin. Yeah, I mean, yeah, look I mean, at his sisters. Last, yeah, look at his last three. Like the Sisters Brothers is like kind of a strange comedy so western. So weird. Did you watch it? No, have you seen it? I, I just watched it like a, a couple weeks ago, and, and I don't really remember a lot of it, but it was just weird. Yeah, it's you what, know, that's what it looked like. It had big actors, and it didn't really get any attention. So mm-hmm. I assumed it probably was at least medium. Mary Magdalene, which I don't know, and then mm-hmm. Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, which is one that I missed from last year. That's Gus Van Sant. That's got Jonah Hill. Oh and yeah, 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 yeah. It's supposed to be decent. Uh, it's supposed to be a pretty decent movie. So that's that's kind of his last three. But you mentioned a lot of his most famous roles, and I think that Joaquin Phoenix, you know, he used to be the other guy in Gladiator. That's that's <laughs> like right, yeah. and he was working before Gladiator. He had roles mm-hmm. in, in the mid '90s. Obviously, we need to watch Buffalo Soldiers. That's one of the yeah, yeah it's one, it's of, one the of the movies, movies that we was need recommended to, uh-huh. to us. Um, but I definitely think that for as long as he's been working, now over 20 years, getting acclaimed just sort of constantly for his work, it's crazy that he doesn't have an Oscar, and it does actually make me feel that's probably his strongest case for winning the award for this role. I don't know another role that I've seen this year that I would put on this level. Like, it's definitely not... Uh, right now, and there'll be movies coming out in the next three months, but like... I mean, I don't know in a long time if I've seen a role on this level. Yeah. It, it, it really is, like, incredibly transformative and unique and, like... You also watch it, and it's like, if you are a person that studies film, you're like, that guy did so much work for this. Yeah. So much work was put into this so character. skinny. I mean, that's when you first like see like 50 back. pounds. It's crazy. The, the dislocating thing with his shoulder looks yeah. insane. Like, everything he does. So, who knows what's going to happen with his career after this? I mean, obviously, it yeah. feels like it has to go to the next level, even if that's possible, but it's still going to be by his discretion. He's yeah. still going to only pick movies that he wants to do and part projects that he's interested in. So you'll still get these runs where it's like, okay, these three movies, I've heard of two of them. I've seen one of them. None of them were really that good. But then he goes and does the Joker. Yep. You know, and like it was the same thing when her came out. You know, you were like, oh, yeah, Walking Phoenix is phenomenal. It's the same thing when the master came out. You're like, that movie was weird, but they were great. Right, so right. It's all of these things happening over and over. So There's also the film that came out last year, You Were Never Really Here, which is directed by Lynn Ramsey, and that was a movie that a lot of people talked about. I didn't actually get to watch that one. I wanted to. That's on my list. It's like a pretty dark, pretty weird... I think it's like a Hitman story or something mm-hmm. like that. Like it's incredible. It's a really phenomenal film. People have talked a lot. Which movie is this? Uh, you Were Never Really Here. Oh, yeah. I've heard a lot about uh-huh. it. I remember I wanted to watch it, and something came up last year. I didn't go to the screening. That, I mean, I know you go to a lot of the screenings with me, mm-hmm. but I feel like you still are protected in the sense that, like, you don't just rely on you will only see it if it's you go to the press screening. You just see the shit you want to see, and then sometimes we go together. Right. At this point, I've now gotten to the point that I have to force myself to see movies in theaters that I don't attend a press screening. I constantly find the shit that I don't watch is shit that I just didn't go to the screening and then i realize a year later like oh yeah i just never watched that yeah and i just because it's like i so rarely go to the theater anymore just to go yeah i haven't gone i mean i'll, I'll maybe go once every few months now maybe yeah. and it's usually just because we're going to cover something on the show that we didn't get a screen or two or that i missed the screen or four it's always airplanes for me that's that's the, yeah. that's my catch-up tool now so anyway that's joaquin phoenix uh zazie beats uh who most people i think became aware of zazie beats in deadpool yeah. feels like that's i think that was the, the moment deadpool 2 so she's in high flying bird the undiscovered country and seaberg all released in 2019 none of which i've seen i don't really know of any of them but i like her i think she's got i think she's got like a lot of uh she's got a lot of talent a lot of heart she's unique she was just in another film that came out this year called lucy in the sky which mm. i did get to see mm-hmm. um and uh you know it's a it's a above average, not great movie, but she's a supporting role. So I saw her in Geostorm. 
Is she in Geostorm? Yeah, she's in Geostorm. Oh. Uh, she not in the part that I watched. I turned it <laughs> off. <laughs> she's 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 good. She's good. I like her. I think she'll be around for a minute, and, and hopefully she'll stay. Yeah. Uh, but as of right now, I have no complaints to Zazie. I thought I thought she did a really great job in this movie. She's having her minute, which is the thing that we always talk about with these with, with actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of just tends to happen. Like Hollywood usually puts you, they give you sort of your test, right? Like you get seen in one thing that's really significant. Yep. All of Hollywood, the casting directors, they all say like, "Oh, that person was great. Can we get them for this?" And then you're in three movies the next year. And they all come out, and everybody sees you three times and knows who you are. And that's the moment. Do you transition from there to the next thing? Or is the next year and the year after that a little slower for you? Like, do they slow down, slow down? You get a TV yeah. show, you stop really being in movies. Like, that's the other version, you yep. know? And so you, we'll see We'll see in a couple of years if she gets that big starring role. You know, does she play the biopic thing? Does she get the the other comic book role? Maybe Deadpool, she's in the third one. It's like, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and and, and I, I, ho- I, I wish the best for her because I think she does a really good job, and I think she did a great job in this movie not trying to do too much. She yeah. knew exactly what she needed to do. She had her one big scene, and yep. she killed it. Absolutely, Absolutely killed it. I uh, agree. Oh, uh, okay. Garth McMurray here. Big shout to Garth. What's up, dude? Good what's to up, see Garth? Zazzy is brilliant in Atlanta, the Donald Glover TV series. That oh, makes sense. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. That's that show got so much traction. Everyone loves Atlanta, and uh, I'm assuming she just crushes it on there. Uh, lastly, we got De Niro. Everyone knows everyone knows who Robert De Niro is. Most recently, he did The Comedian in 2016, Hands of Stone, and Dirty Grandpa, all in 2016. And A.J. Lancaster made a joke in the chat, salute general, about getting a call from Todd being like, hey, do you want to act in this movie? He's like, oh, well, I haven't acted in years. Sounds like fun. Yeah. And I I, I kind of agree. Yeah. It's, it's like one of the first times I've seen De Niro do something in a while where I'm like, oh, you're not just Robert De Niro. And like even in Silver Linings Playbook where he didn't he get nominated yeah. for that. Yeah which I don't think he should have gotten nominated okay. for at all. I thought he was fine. I like him in that movie. I think he's fine. Yeah. I mean, I think he's just playing a dad. Yeah, pretty much. You know, like, it's been a long time. Like, if you go back and you actually watch King of Hot Comedy. Yeah. He's amazing. And you watch Taxi Driver, you're like, that guy used to do it. Oh, he's... He used to push himself. And I get it. You've been doing it for 40 years and everyone already respects. You don't need to try anymore. Yeah. But God damn it, when he does, oh, he's so good. Old De Niro, like 70, like... Old De Niro, like, 73, I think, is, like, that's Mean Streets, I'm pretty sure. All the way through, I would argue, like, probably all the way through, like, the mid-90s. It's, like, he really keeps going yeah. through, I think his last great, great role is probably Neil in Heat. And then yeah. he's really sweet in Ronan, which is, is 98. Yeah, he's good in Ronan. I would say, like, that's probably the end. Ronan is, like, the last really, really awesome De Niro movie. And this is the first thing that I had seen in a long time where I was, like, Oh yeah, like I'm I'm stoked he made this. Like this is he's a really good addition and yeah. he, he does this better than I think a lot of other people would have done it. Yeah, he does it really really well. He really does and I think there's just like that air of of just being a badass that you have to carry as that talk show host character and, yeah. and he he nails it. So and he carries it. So I also think, you know, we're we're seeing this and then he is going to come out obviously in uh the Irish in, Irish in just a couple of weeks. I Which uh, this helps me. Yeah. This lets lets me be like, okay, maybe De Niro's back in the mood. He's got Pesci, he's got Pacino, yeah. he's got Scorsese like that's a moment where you really go for it again. So hopefully he does. And hopefully <laughs> it's good cuz I want to cover it on the show. Wasn't there one more De Niro thing? I felt like there was a third 
bit that made me feel like he was kind of having a comeback. Is am I just forgetting something? Guys in the chat remind me if I'm I think there's one more. I Meet like the parents, anybody? Yeah. Uh, I mean, and that's true. Like he, he did, he got older. A lot of those a lot of these actors do that as they get yes, older. I love him in Meet the Parents. <laughs> and they transition into comedy. The he's great. I mean he is great in that, but it's uh, not not a badass. So while while you're reading the chat or figuring badass. that out, I'm just gonna read through this production development that our good friend Brandon the Hot Man Hannah pulled. The hot man. Between twenty fourteen and fifteen, Joaquin Phoenix expressed interest in acting in a low budget character study type film about comic book villain like the DC Comics character Joker. Phoenix had previously declined to act in the MCU universe, which is amazing because he turned down Hulk and Doctor Strange in multiple films. He didn't want to have to do that. He might have done it once. Like, he may have done the origin of yeah. Hulk. Like, North. Yeah. I, w- I would have been into that. I would have loved to see him play Banner. I'm much happier with him as Joker. Yeah, honestly, I mean, Joaquin's so talented that if he had, if he had taken Ruffalo or Norton's place in Hulk or if he had just taken Cumberbatch's place and just been Doctor Strange, yeah. I would have been totally happy. I have total faith he would have pulled it off just as well as either of those guys. We would have gotten a very different obviously both of them yeah i think he would have been a better hulk than strange but i'm again i'm very happy he's joker so uh, warner bros pushed for phillips to cast leonardo dicaprio as joker thank god that didn't happen hoping to use yeah. his frequent collaborator scorsese involvement to attract him however phillips said that phoenix was the only actor he considered and that he and silver wrote the script with phoenix in mind and i quote the goal was never to introduce Joaquin Phoenix into the comic book movie universe the goal was to introduce comic book movies into the Joaquin phoenix universe and i love that quote it is really cool that Todd Phillips has the clout to just get this movie made. Yeah. Something that's really interesting is if you look at the producers as well, there's a name in there that's really, really interesting to see. Bruce Berman. No. <laughs> uh, it's Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Bradley Cooper's on this movie as a producer. And I think that that's a fascinating thing because obviously they have a relationship from the Hangover series. But it's kind of that moment where Todd Phillips is like, I want to make this movie. I'm going to call my good buddy Bradley Cooper, who's super famous yeah. and super successful, and put his name on here as a producer. And that will help get this movie made because he's really successful and we're friends. That's how Hollywood works. Yeah. And now Bradley Cooper's fucking name is on Joker. Yeah. Like, he just gets to just be a part of this crazy, like, yeah. zeitgeist moment. And that's one of the things where you look, and, and we talked about it on, I think, the action guy I was talking about Brad Pitt specifically. And, like, he is a guy that is absolutely insane as a producer yeah. like brad pitt could never be in another movie again and just continue yep. to have one of the best producing careers and probably win a handful more oscars yeah. over the next 20 years he's got what three of the best picture winners no two of the best picture winners i think over the last five years but he's had like a best picture was it 12 years and 12 years a slave which he's also in right uh, moonlight and, and moonlight, moonlight right. and then he also but he also produced big short which was a front runner in 2015 <laughs> so goddamn good so good and i feel like there's there might even be one more but yeah definitely kind of crazy he he has been very successful that way and it's always interesting that when you see those big movie stars pull that up because uh it's it's a really smart thing to do yeah i think we skipped the rest of production development as much as i'd love to talk about todd phillips and kind of his career if you guys don't know just go look him up i mean his, it's a very different movie and i or a different movie for his career and i love i love love that he's directing hemsworth in the hulk hogan biopic yeah i think all you really have to say about this guy is that todd phillips became very famous in the 2000s for i believe road trip and then he did old school and then finally he did the hangover and those are all kind of iconic not like 2000s comedies he then did that movie war dogs with miles teller and jonah hill a few years ago that was kind of a pseudo like yeah comedy drama pretty sure i I missed missed a question on that yeah really yeah and then he uh and then he did this. I mean, that's this is this is the next like big big development for Todd Phillips' career. Feels very similar in a lot of ways to the Adam McKay route. Like, yeah. even so much so to the feeling that like I remember the trailer for War Dogs actually almost feels a little like Big Shorty. It has that kind of right. Yeah, it's like satire, kind of cool, fun, satire. Uh, <clears throat> so I someone just wrote this in the chat. Uh, looks like 
Norm. Is that right? I'm, that's how blind I am. So Norm I 2014. Yeah, Norm 2014 says Jared, Let- Jared Leto's tried to sabotage this movie. I, I, I read a bit ar- big article about I that. I heard that rumor, yeah. This is the biggest fuck you that Jared Leto could ever get after playing Joker a couple of years ago. Because yeah. also, how many times did you hear about Joaquin prepping for this role? Zero. Zero. Yeah. How many times did you hear about Jared Leto sending pig dicks to his co-stars like, and like every single filled, week yeah like <laughs> magazines filled with semen and like that isn't acting yeah that's bullshit and yeah. like i love jared leto you i think jared he's leto. incredibly talented. talented i thought yeah. he was so good in blade runner and obviously dallas buyers club he steals the movie yeah. from mcconaughey who's incredible but like like this that's a moment where you're just kind of like really i get it yeah. you want to make a movie you've already won an oscar get over yourself like get over yourself dude. yeah Apparently he fired four agents for not getting the film like canceled. Canceled. Yeah. I mean, the thing, the thing is, like, so when you say that's not acting, that's bullshit. I think what I think what you mean, and clar- clarify if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, here. he's an incredibly talented actor who has a process that has won him an Oscar and gotten him great, great performances. Hundred percent. So whatever he whatever he did, that is acting because it's gotten him to the point that he's talented. It's just it's it's antics that I don't know how necessary they are to get your performance that. Clearly, somebody else who played the same role just didn't have to do. Right. Or he did it by himself, yeah. just like Ledger did, just like Jack did. But yeah. Leto trying to, like, make the Joker... I think he he fed into what the Joker is too much. And, it and the, the I mean, the performance was horrible. Yeah. And it wasn't his fault. But, the, I mean, it was partially his fault. But, anyway, we don't need to talk about that. What we do need to talk about is that we've only got about 10 minutes left. We've got a lot of things we need to discuss. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, we can talk just quickly about Critical and, and Box Office, because I do think it's interesting. You know, the budget of 55 on this movie is... Yeah, moderate. Uh, domestically, it's brought in $247 million, another 490 foreign. This movie, Joker, an R-rated origin story with no Batman, has made $737.5 million. That's insane. That's one of the craziest things I could ever imagine happening. It's unbelievable, and I think it honestly is a problem. I think that this is going to start a bad trend. And that's an interesting point, and we, we talked about this earlier, but yeah. I think it's a, it's a worthwhile discussion to have. You know, which is the next film that DC Comics is going to come out with? Because this is the feather in DC's cap right now, right? Like, they tried... 100%. They finally... This and Wonder Woman. Yeah, they, I mean, they really tried hard to, for, for five years now to make this whole thing work. And obviously, there's tons of conversations, DC versus Marvel. People, DC fans hate that Marvel's been so successful, and DC's yep. maligned for a lot of their failures. You hear things like, some people think Aquaman is brilliant, Aquaman is... Aquaman, uh, Wonder Woman is great. Huge fan of huge fan of Wonder Woman. I think Man of Steel is underrated, and this movie, which is not part of their story, you don't get to weave right. this in. Suicide Squad. You don't, this is your. This work. isn't your diamond in the rough. This is like your. This is way off. This is untouchable. It happened, and it stands alone. So now it does. It does lead you to believe because there won't be a sequel to this movie, according nope. to Todd Phillips. Which is the next one they're going to make? And which is the next one they should make? So I, I pose the question to you guys in the chat here as well, because you and I are going to have a conversation yeah. about this real quick. I do you want to check with Ryan. Ryan, do we have a hard out, or can we go five, ten minutes long today? We can go five, ten minutes long. Yeah, okay. Hell so yeah. we can have a conversation. So, yeah, which is the next DC Comics villain that should be made into its own standalone film? It doesn't even necessarily have to be R-rated. It could just be, what's, what's the standalone movie that's going to work for them? Do you want me to go first? If you want to think for a second, I can go first. I mean, I have mine, but yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So... My opinion is that I think the DC Comics villain that would be the most interesting to see would be Clayface. It's so funny. I literally talked about Clayface on Collider Mailbag. Really? I, he was one of my favorite villains as a kid growing up. He also scared the shit out of me as a kid. So there's a lot of really famous villains, obviously. You know, you have Mr. Freeze and the Riddler and you have Penguin and you have Poison Ivy and there's tons. There's literally tons. 
Um, the reason I say Clayface is there was really this incredible origin story that they had on the Batman animated series in the early 90s, the Bruce Timm series with, mm-hmm. with Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy. My favorite. Uh, and uh, it's, it's this story where, like, this actor who has kind of a jacked-up face, he's kind of involved with the mob, and he uses this stuff that's, like, undefined and, like, what it looks like is, like a, you know, like a hair gel container, and he rubs it on his face, and it smooths his face out. And it like it like chemically makes his face look all like movie starish, mm-hmm. and he goes out there, and I think it's like he owes them money or something like that. But they end up either dumping him in a vat of this stuff or making him drink it or something like that. Whatever it is, it turns him into Clayface, who's this like big blob of clay, this big monstrous looking thing. Yep. And I always really was struck by how cool of a story it was because it was on a kids show. But it felt like such a simple story yeah. that like really stuck with me as a kid. And then I remember years later in my 20s when I watched it again, I was like, wow, that was really well done. And I think with now where we're at with CG and practical, you yeah. could make a sick clay face. Yeah, and I wouldn't want it to be all crazy and like wild looking like Venom. I would really want it to be a lot more grounded. It's just like I wouldn't want him to be insane like you know, Hydro Man or the Sandman. I don't want him just <laughs> Why like... Why not? <laughs> yeah, like this image right here, I don't want him like taking on cars and... I want him to be, like, a human-sized or slightly larger thing that can kind of, like, change his shape and go through bars like Mm -hmm. he does in the coolest ones in the comics. I think it would be really fascinating. And I think because of the fact that in his non... I think the fact that in his, like, uh, non-human form, he's mostly going to be defined by his... uh, What's it called? His uh, voice. Mm -hmm. I actually would love to see him as Andy Serkis. I would love to see Andy Serkis... That's sweet. Be I, don't, I love that. You don't need to have like that story where he's a movie star because I think Andy Serkis could be far like a far more interesting character than just mm-hmm. like a movie star. But I think if you base the story around Andy Serkis as this regular guy who gets involved with the wrong people, and when you put that stuff on, he becomes Clayface. I think it's such a cool idea. I think physically he could do such wonders, and maybe you get enough real life Andy Serkis there. It's finally the moment that he gets recognized as the talented, insanely talented he's actor. incredibly That talented. he actually is. He needs to win an Oscar yeah, he before he's on his, done on his run. He just doesn't get the credit for right, it. Right, so. because you don't see him. No. But even he is amazing in the MCU. Yeah, like, so I would adore seeing that movie. I think you could even do something really cool. What if Peter Jackson directed it? What if you had Peter Jackson direct? <laughs> Which Peter Jackson? Yeah. <laughs> the, Lovely Bones? Yeah, no, it's Peter Jackson who makes movies yeah, that are yeah, good. Yeah. He's still capable. You yeah, know? no, he is. Older, like, horror Peter Jackson. Like, Heavenly Creatures type mm-hmm. of, like, weird, you know, the, isn't he, didn't he write The Frighteners? That's him, right? Yeah. Yeah, like that that era, Peter Jackson, I think would be a very cool thing to see. So that's that's my vote for the next so, uh, the next villain. So I'm just going to straight up steal our good friend Coy Jandro's uh, post that he made on Twitter the other day because I saw it, I read the whole thing, I thought it was brilliant, and then we had this conversation uh, yesterday or today, and I was like, oh my god, this is it. So what he says, and I, and it's a, it's a lot, it's like seven tweets, but essentially he's saying that it needs to be Mister Freeze. It should be Mister Freeze. He's already one of the one of if not the most sympathetic villains. Use the goodwill garner from Joker and make the first villain's love story. He wants to see, like, the notebook, this is us style, Je- Nicholas Sparks love story wow. between Nora and uh, uh, Victor. Victor. Between Nora and Victor. And then, they, you know, they're starting to get old, they're in love. And then, boom, after Victor's gotten his fourth doctorate, Nora struck down with the incurable disease. Third act, from that time, we jump to Nora being in stasis for years and Victor overcome with guilt and frustration, having put his entire life in saving, into saving her, but can't do anything to bring her back. Young Victor is Sterling K. Brown from This Is Us, and his father in This Is Us is played by Ron Cephas Jones, who could be 
old man Mr. Freeze, old man Victor Freeze. And if you look and see Ron's face, yeah. it's perfect. Yeah, he does have the look. He does have the look that's really, really set up for it. I think it's a cool idea, too. There's, there's I a, love it, man. There's and a, I love Mr. Freeze. Me, too. There, yeah. There's a comic book called Gotham Central uh, that's written by Ed Brubaker, which is one of my favorites. And it's a story of the Gotham Police Department. Um, and kind of the whole premise of the story is that, like, basically, like, the police department all kind of resent Batman for, like, doing their job. Uh, and the very first issue one of the cops like busts into a room and like Victor freeze is like holding someone hostage, like a little girl. Mm-hmm. And the one guy standing there and Victor shoots his partner with the ice gun. And then I think he maybe with a regular gun, the guy explodes and he like, and it's so like weird, frightening, sadistic, way more grounded than like any cartoon version of Victor freeze we've ever gotten. Right. That it like totally reminded me. I remember the first time reading it, like, Oh yeah, this guy's really scary. This guy is not Schwarzenegger. This guy is like a really interesting villain. And I think seeing some of that, would be really really cool. I think it's a great suggestion. Yeah, um, Coy, thanks, Coy. Thanks for helping me out today, man. So, do you think it's a good idea to go forward with these origin stories or not? <sighs> it's tough because, like, you say that and I say this, and I'm like, I'd watch both those movies. Right. I'd watch them in a heartbeat. Totally. But the idea of being able to do this again, this has never been done ever <laughs> like this, and it, it feels, it just feels very difficult to execute. Yeah, it really does. It's just like this worked for such specific reasons. You know, mm-hmm. it's really hard to create that again. Uh, and and with the, and the problem with it is because you really want this movie had such artistic integrity, such yeah. artistic integrity that like you know that most of the time you're not going to get that lucky. You know, most of the time the studio that's making it, the production company, the producers, they're going to have some say on who gets cast and what stays in the movie and the script. And you know, if if you spend 150 million on the next one because it needs to have lots of CGI, instead of making 800 million, it makes. 450 it's probably still good enough for you to make another one and that one's gonna lose money and then it was this bad thing that we all remember and, and the like, other thing about this that i that i think really matters is it's grounded in our world yeah in the sense of like even with Clayface and mr freeze you have to still put in superpowers essentially that is, that is true like two-face is probably mm-hmm. the the one you could get away with two-face That's what andrew fudge was just saying my money's on a two-face movie and i'd be into that i always love two-face's yeah. origin in batman i mean it's done it's been done so many times now just, just recast tommy lee jones and tell him to just play ah! it straight <laughs> <laughs> so, so good anyway um, um yeah 8.9 on imdb and uh, on rotten tomatoes it's got a 68 percent by critics which i find pretty fascinating and honestly somewhat appalling because even if you don't like the subject matter or like maybe what you think the message is giving this movie a negative review seems insane it's a phenomenally made film it really truly is like you can't pick apart i mean i was actually kind of surprised when drew was saying that he didn't think that uh that joaquin did a good job really he just thought it was fine mcqueen yeah interesting he thought it was just like he was the exact same crazy as he was when he started the movie as when he ended which i don't agree with um i had i just had to look on imdb yeah it's the 13th movie now i mean that happens all it'll, time it'll, yeah it'll <laughs> drop but it'll probably stay in the top 50 i would think uh i want to take a look at the twitter post really quick uh do you want to do a favorite line yeah i think it's a great idea um so we are getting a favorite line this is a pretty you know straightforward segment what is your uh, favorite line in the film you know and i think uh there's a lot. I'm looking through the quotes here to be reminded kind of of mm-hmm. some of them just because obviously it's been three weeks since I've seen it. Um, but I really love when Murray, the, the De Niro character in the interview, says, what's the punchline? And Joaquin just responds by saying there is no punchline. I think it's such a sweet, kind of like a sweet metaphor for what the movie is. Like, it's kind of all senseless and pointless anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same when he says, I used to think my life was a tragedy. Now I realize it's a comedy. Yeah. It's a little bit of the crazy of Joker stuff. It's, it should never really be wrapped up or tied up. And I think that's a little bit of the reason why this character worked so well for Todd Phillips. Like, 
one of the things that people have talked about for years, there's only a few comic book characters that have extremely ambiguous origin stories. Mm-hmm. You know, up until the comic book origin was written, Wolverine had a pretty ambiguous origin story. Um, Joker, people have referenced the killing joke, but it's not a clear origin. Like, he doesn't have a clear origin of who he actually is. That's right. why all the different stories tell something different. And I think it's kind of the point is like, you can make the story about Joker because you can tell your own story. People are not as attached to this one idea of what he is. And so I love that line about there being a punchline because it, it, I'm waiting for the punchline. There is no punchline. Right. Yeah. There's none. The whole movie, really. Uh, I think I got to do the. Uh, I got to pull the the cliche moment just because it was. It's the quote that everyone's pulled from the movie. Yeah. Like it's like the one that everyone talks about and says the worst part about having a mental illness is people expect you to behave as if you don't. Yeah. And I just love that line because not it's only is it line. incredibly true in in our society and like what people expect and yep. and all that, but you know, just the moment that it happens in the movie and kind of just where it is in the movie it just makes so much sense i think it's it just really was a beautiful beautiful uh little bit of poetry to throw in there i agree a few in the chat here people are sharing their favorite lines Uh, garth mcmurray favorite line you don't listen do you just ask the same questions every week how's your job are you having negative thoughts all i have are negative thoughts yeah that's that's a a good one um you know that's awesome uh paul denuzio favorite line i have a gun i can come by tomorrow um i have a gun i can come by tomorrow try to remember where that is can't remember. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember where that line is, but I actually do. I do remember hearing it. Um, so anyway, guys, uh, we we only have a few minutes left here, so we have to wrap things up. We're just going to really quickly share the AMA question, which is asked by Josh Ryan. Considering the media frenzy around the movie weeks before it was released, and anyone who had even seen it, do critics, journalists have a responsibility overblowing controversy or helping to create controversy? I just think like anybody who's a radical, anybody who's like extremely, extremely like loud about a movie like this has to remember there are so many steps for this movie to actually get made. Yeah. There are so many people that have to approve a movie like this for for years of production mm-hmm. that, like, you, they have so much more responsibility to stop this movie from being what it is than we do to, to give it a good or a bad rating. It's a, it's a DC Comics character that's getting a grounded reality story. It's our job to talk about it if we like it or we don't like it. If it's getting released, any journalist who's like, this movie's offensive, you shouldn't go see it, boycott the movie, that's ridiculous. It's a piece of art. Yeah, and I think, I think honestly, that's, that's, that's like the double-edged blade of being that person that says, D- boycott this movie. Yeah. It makes everyone want to go see it. 100%. Right? So I think it, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a tough question to answer, but I, I don't think you have a responsibility to create controversy. Or to overblow things, but I do think that you have a responsibility to give your opinion, and usually on a movie like this, a movie that's so divisive, it will create controversy no matter what. Every time, yeah. I uh, agree. So, so uh, uh, the, on our Twitter poll, which was nice, we put it up at the beginning of the, the show, we've got like uh, 50 people that have voted, and it says, 8% says makeup, 2% says the costume, 43% says 50 physicality, oh, 40% says physicality, did you just vote? I'm doing it right now. 49% says the laugh. Yeah, and it sounds like we, because we're running out of time, we will not get through the ranking of the makeups that we want. Yeah. But luckily, that segment is going to exist on our other show, which is called The Action Guys. It's going to be going up on our YouTube channel, Action Industries, this Friday. The audio feed is available the same day we tape it. Yeah, it'll be tonight around probably, I think, 6 to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can find that on the Collider mail or the Collider factory feed factory on any feed. of your podcast apps that you enjoy listening on, whether that's uh, Apple Podcast or, I mean, I don't even Podcast One. So uh, there are three action movie categories, Ben. Totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, and ridiculously legitimate. Uh, we've done the show for four and a half years, so I think it's pretty reasonable <laughs> to not explain them. Uh, I, this movie's totally legit. It's just it does it doesn't lose me at any point. It makes me feel pretty frightened. I, I think it's 
Yeah. I don't think it even feels ridiculous when you get to the end. Like, when you get to the big riot and, like, him walking out and getting saved by these guys with a truck. Like, it could feel ridiculous, yeah. but it never loses me. No, and I honestly, I think just the fact that we have critics giving it a 68% just lets you know how realistic this movie is. Yeah. Because there's, there's that many people that could give it a negative review because it made them feel things they didn't want to feel. Yep. You know, so uh, I, I completely agree. So there's only one last thing left to talk about on the show this week, and that's called The Pitch! I was wow, hoping you were going to laugh over the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it is uh, it's Halloween week next week, so we've decided we're going to do one of the most iconic yes, scary movies ever made. This is really exciting. Uh, we have Dr. Sleep coming out in just a couple weeks, so Drew and I have decided we are going to cover The Shining. Yes. It's the first Kubrick movie we've ever covered. It probably will be the only one we ever cover, but uh, it's an amazing movie. It's extremely frightening, and I can't wait to uh, to talk about it on the show next week. So big shout-out to our generals, starting with Brigadier General. Brianne Chandler. Ooh, we get a solo salute for you that. A solo salute, Brianne. And then everyone else who is a general, Andrew Hayes, Paul Denuzio, Billy Belford, John Getz, John Patterson, Jake Iacoveta, Kyle Grandinetti, Kelsey Kirkland, Mac Ryan, Nick Gilmore, Jeremiah Morris, Kyle Hilbert, Tamor Buddha, AJ Lancaster, Sarri, Laman Maki. Those are the generals in the Army, guys. Thank you so much yeah. for your support, your patronage. We salute you, and we'll see you same time, same place, next week. Yeah. Bye, guys. Producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.